Good morning. morning. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, bro, for the songs. Every once in a while we have to reset. Uh, We do this in life. This past week, uh, Thursday or Friday, what day was it, Logan? We lost a Wi-Fi. Logan couldn't do his thing, and the Wi-Fi at home went out. And we had to, I had to call, and all I had to do was reset the computer. And I know at times, if you got a computer, you have to do that. You get the garbage in there, and I think there's a lot of just uh, static and stuff that just messes it up. And you got to restart. You got to restart and get everything back on track. In our study of scripture, sometimes we learn new things and we want to press on to learn new things and grow and mature. But then also there are times in studying scripture we need to reset and restart. Get back to a basic and just be reminded of who we are, who God is, and what this is all about. And that's the lesson that we have for you today. 1 John 2.12, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. John here reminding his readers of what they were all about. They had sins that they were forgiven by Christ Jesus. I know sin is our favorite subject, right? We just love to talk about sin, but you know what? We need to talk about sin. Because sin is our problem, isn't it? Sin is a killer, a murderer, a destroyer. It would take your life, it would take your soul. And it's why Jesus came. He knew that. It's our problem, our disobedience to God. But he came to deal with it. And so this is really an uplifting lesson. It really is. And I hope to present it that way. To understand that our sin, as we sang the song, as far as the east is from the west, our sin has been dealt with in Jesus Christ. And if you're in Christ Jesus, you don't have to fear anything. You're free from sin. In this lesson, you see see the little title there. I don't know where I got that. You probably heard that before. That was not original on my part. In this lesson, a saint, as I'm going to refer to a saint, is a believer, one who is baptized into Christ, who is striving in faithful service. That's a saint. I believe that's a proper scripture definition. And a sinner is someone who has never put on Christ in baptism or has done so and fallen away. Now, I know we read our scripture reading that Rick read for us, that we're all sinners and we all have sin. Understood. And that's part of what this lesson is about. But the scripture, the Holy Spirit, does not call Christians sinners in the way that it calls those who are out in the world sinners. Okay? It's different. Because Christians are under the blood of Christ. 
And our sins are taken care of as long as we continue on in the faith. As we read, confess our sins and bring them to the Lord. All right. Just by way of introduction, and we'll turn to 1 Timothy. We need to have the proper attitude towards sin. You know, like I said, it's not our favorite subject, and sometimes we don't even want to think about it. And some of the sins that we, uh, while we're even read, reading about them in the paper now, seeing them on the Internet are so wicked, heinous, and despicable that we, don't, we really don't want to think about them. And, uh, you know, we don't want to certainly dwell on them. But sin is a part of life, and sin is all around us. For the saint, our attitude towards sin, I'm going to suggest two things here. There may be more, but as far as this lesson goes, we need to remember that sin is still powerful and dangerous to us. And do not think it can't touch you. Because you've been in Christ for 30 years. Do not think that Satan can't bring you down. You should never have that kind of a feeling that we are above the rank and file. Sin is powerful. This is why we're, we guard against it. This is why we walk in Christ. This is why we assemble around the table. We're, this is why we encourage one another to stay on the straight and narrow, as it were, on the path. The second thought is this. Remember, it was Christ's blood which was required to cleanse you of your sin. You did not cleanse yourself of your sin, and I did not do that either. We needed the Savior, the Son of Man, the Son of God, to come here to save us, to save me, to save you from our sin. That should humble us. That should drive us to our knees. And to realize that he did that because he loves us. And he wants us to be saved. For the sinner, do not begin to think that sin is not a big deal. Simply because nothing terrible has happened to you in your life. If you're not in Christ and walking with him, you are in perilous danger to lose everything you have, even to your soul. Sin is a big deal. And then on the other hand, do not think that your sin is so great that God will not forgive you. Because that is a lie of the devil. No matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, or how long you've done it, in Christ Jesus, you can be forgiven. His blood is that powerful, and it continues to be that powerful down to this very moment. So that's good news. But we have to accept Christ as our Savior to receive that cleansing. 1 Timothy 1. I want to use the Apostle Paul this morning as an example for us. Paul's a gritty old bulldog in the faith. That's the way I kind of look at him. He just, he just motors on, you know. He just lets, lets everything fall off his back. He's not going to be bothered by this or that. He's going to serve the Lord, and he just, he just goes for it. 
And I, I admire Paul for that. But here we have, first of all, Paul the saint, the apostle, was aware of his past. Okay? 1 Timothy 1, 2, I will read this and then we'll talk about it a little bit. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet, for this reason, I found mercy, so that in me is the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. You know, Paul could never say those words in verse 17 unless he knew those things in verse 13. The bad stuff. He was a blasphemer. He spoke against Christ and the Christian faith. A persecutor. He imprisoned Christians. You remember in Acts he held the clothes of those who stoned Stephen to death. And he was on the way to Damascus to... He had papers. I have papers here. Signed papers. That I have the authority to take Christians and imprison them. That's where Jesus, of course, appeared to him on the road. It says he was a violent aggressor. I like the New King James here better. It says he was insolent and violently arrogant. I think that has to do with his character, his person. That's the way he was in regard to the Christian faith, in regard to Christ himself. He thought he knew what was right, and boy, he was going to do it no matter what. To the harming of people, to the imprisoning of people, to the uh, saying, it's okay for this man to die. Sometimes, this kind of sin is the most difficult for us to accept. You know, I, I can say, yeah, yeah, I stole that. Okay, I, I was weak and I took it and I shouldn't have taken it. Yeah, I, I, I said a lie. I, I did that uh, because I was in a tough place and I, I want to make myself look good. So, yeah, I, I did that. You know, we can, we can accept that. But when it goes to our heart, say, so you are a violently arrogant person. That's a little more hard to accept, isn't it? 
you are a lazy good-for-nothing. That's a little bit harder to accept, isn't it? That that's the kind of person you are on the inside. And yet, you know, we have to deal with the kind of person we are on the inside because that's where Jesus said all the sin comes from, isn't it? From This is why we've got to put off the old man and put on the new. That what we had on the inside has got to change. Ezekiel, God says he'll give you a new heart. You've got to have a new heart. You can't live a life of Christ with the old heart, seeing things the same way you used to see them. It's got to change. You've got to have that heart of love, compassion like we talked about here a couple of weeks ago, the compassion of Christ. We want to be kind, filled with the Spirit, with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, right? Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. I got out of the line. Self-control. I missed one. Anyway, you can find it in Galatians 5. This is the change needed on the inside. and Sometimes that's the hardest one to do. So Paul remembered those actions, his past, his sins. Remembering our sins keeps us humble. Keeps our feet grounded in our humanity. Now I'm not saying we dwell on our sins and we, you know, we whine about them and we say, oh my goodness, did I do that? And you know, Sometimes I remember some things I did, and I, it hits me like, wow, did you really do that? Maybe you've had a few moments like that. But thank God, through Christ, I was forgiven. You know, that's the blessing. That's the blessing. Let's go to Second Peter. Keep your finger there. Well, we're going to go to Second Timothy. Let's go to Second Peter 1. Peter talks about this a little bit here. He's, this, is not, this is kind of Peter's fruit of the Spirit list in 2 Peter 1. I'm going to bring us back to 5. For this very reason also apply all diligence. In your faith supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence knowledge. And in your knowledge self-control. And in your self-control perseverance and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, there's a growth pattern, Christ in you, the Spirit of God working in you. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. So in Peter saying that, he says, you don't want to forget that you were purified from your sins, that you had sins, and you were purified by Christ Jesus. We are going back to 1 Timothy. The good stuff. Paul remembered his sins and all he had done. It was there. But then the good stuff. All about the Savior. 
Notice in that reading, and I encourage you to take that reading home and read it this afternoon. In that reading, Paul does not talk about himself. How good he was, all the great things he had done, etc., etc. Not a word. It's all about Christ. What's he say? Paul thanks him. He put me into the service. He put me into the service, the ministry. He strengthened me. He showed me mercy. In his, his grace was more abundant in me. His perfect patience with me. You see the you see where Paul's heart is? It's not on him. It's on Christ. He's the one that did it, not me. And it's always that way. Yeah, we have to respond. We need to humble ourselves and respond and obey. But Christ calls. Christ calls from the cross. Christ chooses us. Christ died for us. Christ strengthens us through his spirit. Christ teaches us through his word. How, how I could keep going. It's his body. It's his life. So then, verse 17, because of that, he remembered his sins, but wow, Christ was abundant grace and merciful. Then he can praise, now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Maybe sometimes we don't praise God and sing his praises and sing out loudly from the heart and from the depths of our toes. Because we don't realize what Christ has done for us. We don't realize the gravity of our sin and the greatness of our salvation. The blood of God that spilled that day at the cross to bring us home. Well, we ought to be praising God every day. Every moment. Just like Paul. You know, he's not talking about being in a church service here. I guarantee you that. This was in his heart all the time. That's what, that was Paul's motor. You know, we talk about people having a motor these days. That was Paul's motor. I was a sinner and Christ Jesus saved me. He's patient with me. He put me into the ministry. That's my motor. I'm going home. Okay. And that brings us to 2 Timothy 4. Paul the sinner had a future. Yeah, he's the one and the same. He was a sinner and then he became a saint. And he remembered he was a sinner. 2 Timothy 4, 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. Many believe this was the last letter written by Paul. He was in prison the second time. And uh, they think this was when he really lost his life for Christ. So he's, he's being poured out. He's referring there to the law of Moses. They had their drink offering and their peace offering and grain offerings. And he's, he's using that example. I'm just being poured out on the altar. My life is ebbing away. He, he thinks it's coming. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. 
I have kept the faith. Words from the prison cell. Think about it. This is my reward for all these years of hard labor and travel and out on my own and being harassed and persecuted. And now here I am in a prison cell. But Paul wasn't down, was he? He said, Lord, this must be where you want me right now. Right now. Time of my departure has come. Kept the faith in the future. Paul knew he had a future. Every sinner has a future in Christ. In the future. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Scriptures talk about crown of life. Scriptures talk about a crown of glory. We talk about eternal life. We talk about going home to live with Jesus, a mansion over the hilltop, and I go to prepare a place for you. know, We're studying about this on Wednesday night. Dozens of different pictures of life eternal. Paul's going to get a crown. For finishing the course. You know, it's a picture of the Greek races. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And oh, how Paul must have looked forward to that day. The Lord had appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Changed his life completely that day. Appeared to him there when he was on the ship. Remember that? He was going to go down and said, Paul, you've got to keep everybody on the ship. Remember that? Yeah, he went to the third heaven. He had a good relationship with the Lord, but you know what? He's looking forward to this day. The Lord is going to give me that crown. All right? It's just not going to appear in the mail one day. All right? It's not just going to show up and electronically transfer it in my bank account. The Lord is going to give it to me. Face to face. That'll be a day. And what's he say? And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's a promise. Take it to the bank. He's talking about his second coming. I know we have our love, our families here, and good thing, and you know, we're blessed. And one of the reasons we believe in God is because all the goodness we even have in this life, despite the fact there's so much sin around us and wickedness and evil, there is so much good as well. But. We need to love the appearing of the Lord because we need to recognize He is the one who gives us every good thing. He gives us the family. He gives us the home. He gives us the food on the table. He gives us the flowers that we have right now. We were on the deck this morning, enjoying the morning for a while, and watching the birds at the feeder and the peonies. Beautiful morning. That's God's gift to us. And so much more. 
But then beyond that, life eternal, and we can only imagine what that will be. But do you love his return? Do you understand? It's all from him. That's why we should love his returning and coming back. So Paul was mindful of his sins. And he saw himself as the foremost or chiefest of sinners because of his wreaking havoc on the church and actively opposing Christ. But he was more mindful of the fact that Jesus Christ had patience with him, showed him grace and mercy, and saved him. So he let his knowledge of Christ override his failures. And that's what we have to do. We have to see that the blood of Christ is greater than our sin. The love of God is greater than our rejection of him at some point. That he does love us. God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son. If you are a saint, yeah, remember your sins every once in a while. Don't pretend they, they didn't happen. Maybe there'll be a time for you to share them with somebody who's struggling. Somebody that got caught up in something like you did at one point. They're nothing to brag on, to boast about, certainly not. But from time to time, we need to remember. But then we need to remember the Savior, that he was patient with me. He forgave me, and he still blesses me today, and I still trust in him. And then, of course, the Savior is someone you can always share, right? And this is what we want to do. Share the Savior with others. The Savior whom we love. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. If you're a sinner, you can have a future in Christ Jesus. A good future. A blessed future. A life. Life forever. Don't ignore your sins or take them lightly. So we've seen here with Paul, God is patient. God is very patient. He understands every person. There'll come a time when you need to choose Christ if you want a future. And don't be overwhelmed by your sins. Maybe you think they're so great so deep, so vicious, so heinous, so wicked. There's so many of them, whatever you're thinking. Don't let them drag you down. This is why Christ came. This is why we had to be saved by the Son of God. Someone greater than our sins. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous. And he's going to go to talk about that. Do not be deceived. Oh, the devil will deceive us to think, oh yeah, these these sins don't matter. You can look at it that way. These don't matter or they're so bad that they can't be forgiven. But either way to look at them is wrong. 
Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers. And don't think that is an exhaustive list, brothers and sisters. It's not. You can go to anywhere else in Scripture and find other sins. This is Paul's short list. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. Won't happen if that's on your tab. Not going to happen. But here's the blessedness. We need, we need to face those sins. We need to accept them. But then here's the blessedness. Such were some of you, you Corinthians. What a horrible place that was to live. A place of wickedness and decadence. Corinth. It was a slur to people in those days to call them names. You know, we're not supposed to call people names today, right? Usually not a good idea. But in those days, if they thought you were a wicked, decadent person, you were called a Corinthian. Yeah. But such were some of you. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Christ came take care of sin. Every saint has a past. Don't forget. Every sinner has a future in Christ. Don't forget. If you want to choose him now, please come while we stand and sing.